Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. Here are your hosts, pediatrician Dr. Scott Cohen and comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. Great show in store for you guys today. We have a new segment called Toy Time. Yeah. Also talking to... Oh, harmonized. Oh, nice. yeah. We should get you singing. Yeah, well, with your jacket, you could be in a boy band. Okay. Da-dun-dun. Um... We have a woman who has a uh, worm issue um, uh, at the house yep. uh, and pinworms. And we're talking to buying Beverly Hills star John Grauman right here on Daddy vs. Doctor. I wanted to bring up this topic to start the the show today. It's something that I've been seeing a lot. I'm upset about it. I haven't reached this point yet as a parent. You have. Um, I want to talk about crop tops on girls. Um, I see it starting earlier and earlier. I saw a couple seven-year-olds wearing a crop top. Um, And it's, it's, to me... For example, at one of the schools here in Los Angeles, kid wears a Los Angeles Dodgers hat to school and is asked to take it off because it might have gang affiliation, what have you. Yet, an 11-year-old girl could come to school with her navel hanging out and the top slightly below her breasts. You're seeing this, I know, at your own home, right? Mm -hmm. Is this something that is just uncontrollable because everybody's doing it? Uh, aren't you, as a parent, happy with this? What? Where do you? What's the the feeling? Because I was at your house mm-hmm. outside, and a bunch of girls were coming over for I don't know it was the Super Bowl or whatnot, right. and all the girls had a crop top right. on. Now, growing up, I don't know, I, I I didn't see that type of sexuality at a young age like that. So what's interesting is first you never go over these topics ahead of time with me and you're bringing up <laughs> clothing topics and yet you're wearing a jacket and what varsity sport did listen, you play? Listen, did you play? A varsity I, sport? I, I play. I, I don't want to brag. Okay. Well, yeah, I was all conference. Yes. Um, in the, uh, in, uh, what was the name of the league? Mid, mid, uh, mid, oh. mid continental, uh, conference i think uh-huh. it was called right for soccer it was a right wing uh-huh. and i feel if i didn't injure my ankle as a junior year i would have had a full scholarship to indiana oh. university that's see i thought the c meant you were varsity and comedian no wow see, i no, thought that's I what we were no, doing no, there this is, uh, i think this is a celine jacket and this is just the uh the c but yeah i all right so right listen the wardrobe today is a little aggressive no it's i like it it's um but I was kind of sick of like taking the jacket or the shirts off and putting the shirts on. So it's all jackets. Uh, an homage to High School Musical since we're talking about high school topics. <laughs> That's good. 
So you mentioned the crop shop, you know, I have a 12 and a 14 year old and you mentioned the word sexuality, which is interesting because I think inherently a lot of people, you know, equate certain clothing with views of that. But that actually probably isn't what the child is thinking when they're wearing it. And, you know, initially when I saw it, I was like, yeah, is that appropriate? But then what I realized having two girls is it's probably more important how they feel about themselves and the body image they have. And if they're comfortable in it, then who am I to say they're not? You know, at their school, they're actually not allowed to wear crop tops. They have to wear full length shirts um, because they wear uniforms and that's part of the uniform code. So whether it's, you know, you can't wear uh, certain colors and you can't wear certain uh, types of different clothing. Um, that's all part of that. When they come home and then when they're friends and they're going to the mall, yes, that is often a change of clothing into that, which you know what, if they're happy and they're comfortable in their own skin and they have a good body image, I don't want to be the one who demeans them and says, oh, you shouldn't wear that. Now, I think there's a time and place, right? Like we said, schools have dress codes. You're going to church. You're going to synagogue. Maybe that's not the place for it just because that's not the place. You feel totally differently, I can tell. Well, here, this is this is what I don't agree with. Who am I to say? When you say, who am I to say? I don't know. You're the fucking dad. Yeah. So maybe you should say something. I'm just well, saying. Like, What's wh wrong with it? Because it, is it you feel is it's bringing on bad just inappropriate upon inappropriate for me it's in use it's in on a, them it's inappropriate dress for kids that age i mean where does it stop are we comfortable seeing a 14 year old at the pool in a thong and yeah. oh just uh, that's okay because she's got a uh, feels good in a thong yeah. i feel and again i haven't i'm speaking out of out of school here because i haven't reached this yeah. point as a parent but going into this I'm looking at this going, I am going to fight the crop top mm -hmm. as long as long as I can. Cause especially, you know, seven years old, eight years old. I mean, I feel if it starts at a young age, it's just going to get progressively worse. And by the time they're 14, 15 years old, you know, it's uh, clothing optional. I think then I would probably say something. Okay. Well, yeah. what I'm saying is I just want to I want to nip it in the, in the bud. Yeah. And I know, and this is the problem. Because every other kid is doing it, right? right? It's hard. And, yeah. the, and the, just like every other kid's got a phone. Right. You don't want to have your kid without a phone because 18 of their girlfriends or boyfriends got it. And it's another thing. It's like, when is it appropriate to have a phone? And now I've heard arguments. Well, my kid's nine years old and has a phone because I want to know where he or she right. is. If I have to pick him up from practice, I want to know where he is. Now, we grew up. We went to practice. We had no phone. Mom, meet me by the the the, the front of the school at four o'clock, and I was there. Yeah. Now we have to have a honing device on our kid at all times. You're right. And we just had this conversation because somebody said, "Are they allowed phones at school?" And I was like, "No, but they're allowed to have it in their locker." And they're like, "Well, why do they even need it there?" Like you said, you know when school ends, so you know when to pick them up. And my initial response was, well, you know, there's a lot of after school activities and yes, you want to know and you want them to be able to contact you. We were able to do it without it. You're exactly right. I think it is hard because there is a lot of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody else has one too, but I agree. And I don't know that there's an age, but you do want to hold off on it as long as possible. I mean, the first time we got it for the girls really was because there were so many pickups and drops off, drop offs at different activities in different places. It was helpful for us to be able to say, hey, we're going to be there 
there in 10 minutes and and do that. So it was really more a logistics reason. I think a lot of getting your child an electronic device is knowing the reasons behind why you're getting it and using for using it for that, because then it parlays into all the negative things, which is the social media and the texting and things like that, which you want to hold off on as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest part. No, I, 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 I don't know what I'm going to do when I reach that those ages as a parent to kind of uh, deflect any of that type right. of... Uh... And it's hard when you have two, like you have two, I have two, you know, you hold off, it's easier to hold off on the first one because they don't know any better, but then the second one sees it. Mm -hmm. So they're exposed to things at a much younger age that the older one was never exposed to. So they want it sooner. Mm -hmm. And it's even harder to say no, because it's like, well... She has it. Why don't I? Mm -hmm. Well, she didn't have it at that age, but it's a constant battle with that. Yeah, and and also, and and long as long as we're on fashion and the coat and the whole thing, uh, there's another fashion faux pas I'm not into. And I don't know if you're seeing this at your level. A lot of the girls are wearing like a prom dress now with Chuck Taylors. Have you seen this look? Sneakers are with everything. So like the whole cir- the party circuit, the bar and bar mitzvah circuit, it's the suits with the white sneakers, it's the uh, it's the you know the dresses with the sneakers, yeah, the Air Force Ones or the you don't like it? I think it's cool. I don't think you screw around with formal wear. Yeah. Okay. I you think- want the leather loafer. You want the Italian. I think if you're gonna wear a tux, you wear tux yeah. shoes. You don't wear an Air Jordan with a bow tie. So. No, I'm not into the the Chuck Taylors. It, it, it's 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 everywhere, actually. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to have a real estate agent showing me a home in a dress and Chuck Taylors. It's like we're closing out a, right. a home. We're not, you know, scoring 32 points. It's just it. You, you know, you don't wear right. you don't wear tuxedo shoes when you play basketball. So why are we wearing basketball shoes when we're going into a wedding? That's all I'm saying. No, I, and you're bringing up an interesting point because it's that balance of, you know, feeling good about yourself and what you're wearing and being confident and then a time and a place, right? Forget feeling good. No, but- It's, it, it's not about feeling good. It's about uh, conformity. It's about being in a uniform. I don't care how comfortable- yeah. You're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's, 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 that's the whole idea of- formal wear it's uncomfortable <laughs> to be but, in the suit but, but you gotta wear it right because it fits the occasion that's right. all i'm saying all right I, I, yeah time and place we're not only a, a a medical comedy show we also dip in to fashion so you don't get this on a lot of podcasts by the way one of the only podcasts out there that are actually covering these topics from a male perspective so welcome to uh, daddy vs. doctor dr cohen uh myself sebastian mascalco so you're calling today uh about pinworms is that is that the correct yeah i was excited about this call because sebastian doesn't know what they are they haven't gotten to his house yet so tell us a little bit about what's going on yeah. Um, so when we we built our house a couple of years ago and we had to live in a hotel for um, about six months and it was a nice hotel. It was a four star hotel. But when we 
we're at the end of our stay. Our daughter got pinworms. And from what I understand, it can be from hotels. Um, but since then, we got rid of them. We moved into our house, and she's had them twice since then. Mm-hmm. And um, she does jujitsu with, you know, the feet and stuff on the mat. And she also does gymnastics with the mat. And she also sucks her thumb. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very, very clean person. <laughs> I probably wash our sheets twice a week. I clean the kitchen, you know, uh, while I'm cooking. I'm very clean. So I don't know where she's getting them from or if she had them from that hotel and they're just like living in her and they come out. Yeah. I don't know. No, don't take it personally because, I mean, pinworms are so common. Every kid often gets infected at some point in time, whether it's school, jujitsu. So pinworms, you're going to love this. All right. I, I, can, can I just tell you what I what think they are? What do you think are? it is? The way it sounds yeah. is like in the skin, yeah. right? The kid wakes up and all over the body are like worm-like lesions that are, that are yeah. moving. You've watched too many movies. So when when I take calls at night, there are certain things that when I take calls and I'll be sitting next to my wife and after the call for the next hour, she'll see me like itching and she'll be like, was that call about lice? And I'm like, yeah, how do you know that? She's like, you've been itching your head ever since. Pinworms is one of those. So pinworm is a worm that can live anywhere. And what happens is it gets on kids' hands from dirt and they ingest it. And then the worm goes into your digestive system. It comes out at night out of your anus. Oh, your wow. Oh. Look at, look, wait, look at, can we get pictures of the, the, the faces in this room right now? And the worms themselves look like little tiny white threads. They lay the eggs at night and the kids complain of anal itching at night. They're itching their butt like crazy at night because the worms come out and lay their eggs and then they itch and it gets under their fingernails and their hands and they touch their mouth again and then they're on something and then you touch it and it gets in you and everybody in the household gets pinworms and yeah. the treatment is actually very easy there's something over the counter called pinex um the brand name mabendazole is one of the anti-worm medicines and you take one dose and it clears it up and usually we repeat it two weeks later and we often treat everybody in the house because what happens is it spreads from one person to the next oh i can't wait till it happens in your house what it's you, gonna be is, is this inevitable yeah i mean it's never happened in my house, but your house probably it's going to be inevitable. I'll, I'll, yeah. It's probably happening tonight. Um, exactly. No, but most kids in school, any type of activity, that age group, it's just so common, very easily treatable. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I wouldn't blame the hotel. It's not like from before. They just get reinfected. The thumbs, so the hands and the mouth are adding to it. Um, so really what you want to do is treat everybody, wash everything in hot water, the sheets, the clothing, uh, do a couple of loads in a row because there may be residual worms and then repeat oh. usually treatment two weeks. Obviously, confirm this with your doctor. Um, and the other way you can do it, we, we don't usually do it. So doctors in the old days, we used to take a piece of tape in the morning and we put, well, you put a piece of tape on their butt. And so in the morning, you rip the tape off and it would have the eggs and some of the worms and you can look under the microscope and confirm that's what it is. But it's pretty obvious when a kid is itching only at night. And a lot of times you can see the little white threads coming out of their butt Yeah. or in the, yeah. or in the toilet with their poop. You'll see them like wiggling around. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Bro. 
So, <laughs> so it's such a good topic. Pinworms. Ha, have you had the? Have you had this yourself? Oh yes, this is how I know See? I will be married forever. Because wow. my husband and I have actually investigated each other to make sure. Do you think I have it? No. Do you think I have right, it? Hold on, hold on. There it is. So you and tell you still have a great sex life. <laughs> so I'll let you take that one. So, so you're 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 telling your your husband to bend over and let me take a look at your asshole to see if you got worms with, with in a it? microscope. No, no. Wow, wow you're in love. See them. I know, and then, and then he did it to me. Yeah. Oh, well, no, that's I, a, that's a nice evening. I think if Lana had pinworms, Sebastian would be at a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! So okay. uh, it is. It is so gross because you can see them. Yeah. Um, and again, I've done everything you've said. You know, we did the medicine. I clean. I'm. I'm like normally I clean sheets once to twice a week, but I did the whole thing. But um, we got the third time not too long ago. And I thought, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like, it's Sometimes just, it's really hard so to just pinpoint it because it's really so ubiquitous. Like they're, they're everywhere. They're probably in your seat right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. well, that's good to know. So uh, how old is your child again that has this? Is it five? She's nine. She's, She's nine. nine. Okay. Here, before I let you go, she's nine. Yes. Still sucking her thumb, yes. right? My daughter's almost six sucking her thumb. Is nine on the border of this is a possible 21-year-old sucking her thumb? No, I, I mean, I would hope not. Most people aren't 21-year-olds who suck their thumb. I know, but- I, But it is hard. Not, like, if you're a nine-year-old sucking your thumb, it's just not going to go away on its own. Usually, then you're doing orthodontic appliances and, and getting rid of that. Well, have you- uh, Has that become an issue for you, the sucking the thumb or- She only does it when she's tired. My husband is always on her. Get the thumb out of your mouth. Get the, and I just feel like she's tired. She has her thumb in her mouth. It's relaxing to her. I'm not yeah. going to be mean about it. Well, maybe you should because she's got worms every three weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, listen, thank you for sharing. Three times in no, yeah. thank you for sharing. Thank you actually for oversharing um, because... <laughs> Because, I'm glad you pulled over for that. Yeah, well, thank God uh, you did pull over for you uh, telling us that you examined your 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 husband's asshole. Uh, it's, a, it's it's a family show. Um, listen, have a wonderful New Year. I hope the worms stay out of your house and uh, get back <laughs> on the road. Thanks for calling. Take care. Where have you seen worms just come out of people's bodies? Oh, like you know, that, that was in your head. The way that sounds yeah. is, is like worms just in the like uh it's like almost like a rash that yeah. has worm like uh shapes like it, i never thought it would come out of your asshole yeah but that that woman um dedicated 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 wife and a dedicated husband um so i like getting topics that makes you a little uneasy it's good well those those topics i actually enjoy talking about it it, it kind of beats say my kid's got a rash on his head you will be itching probably the rest of today it's so psychosomatic like were certain words scabies lice pinworms just make you itch yeah my asshole's itching right now <laughs> i just don't want to touch it <laughs>
when is it appropriate or okay to maybe start showing some type of affection or, uh, I don't know, physical attraction, whatever it might be, towards the same sex, opposite sex. Um, for me, Valentine's Day started really early. Um, I remember it two years old. It's almost like a brag about that. It's like a puff of the chest. Well, it's not really because the, the, the scenario is not really flattering. Um, second grade, I remember everybody had those little candy hearts. Be mine. Mm -hmm. I love you. Whatnot. And uh, to be honest, at the end of the day, I didn't really come home with a lot of uh, Valentines. Mm. Not, I didn't have a lot. I didn't, I didn't have any. A I, didn't, jerker. <laughs> I didn't have any. Yeah. All right. No one, nobody in the class wanted to be my Valentine. Now, was I hurt? Yeah. But I tell you what it, I tell you what it did. Okay. It made me motivated mm -hmm. next year, third grade to come back and go, all right, time to, time to start collecting Valentines. Mm -hmm. So I worked on myself right. to, you know, put myself in a different category. Maybe I got a different hairstyle. Maybe I got a different shirt or came to school dressed differently. And I got three Valentines when I was in third grade. Now, the culture we're living in today, hmm, and I, I don't even know if you know about this, but at Valentine's Day, you got to give everybody, everybody. a Valentine. Everybody so everybody's a, Valentine. a be mine. And I don't even know if it's be mine anymore. The ones we have here is it's good, MVP, all-star. I there's, have fries for you. That's cute. Yeah, there's nothing in here that would emote I like you. Yeah. Uh, back in the day was be mine. Right. And I don't know, it, it was just like kind of like harmless fun. Right. And now we've kind of taken the fun out of Valentine's Day by giving generic, uh, you know, donut, uh, you donut, you just love Valentine. Come on. You can't even, even read the damn thing. No, um, but it, the perception, didn't you, if you got, well, you never got the classroom full of Valentine's, but the, the one person you were most interested in, if she put a little heart or two hearts, you just, you, you were like, oh yeah, that was more special. She may have done it for everybody, but it's in your head. You were thinking like that was extra special because I think you talked about like crushes. I think it starts early. I think, you know, when you're handing out these Valentines, yeah, there are a couple people that you're really interested in getting it from. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's sort of their perception of a boyfriend or girlfriend or a significant other is very different than an adult's perception, right? It's, they don't have the same things in the mind. It may just be, you know, I like hanging out with that person. I like sitting next to them. I like holding their hand. It's not, we're talking, talking sexual activity, I would hope, in well, kindergarten. Um, no, but I, I, I think we've kind of watered down Valentine's Day yeah. for young kids and now everything's very generic, very broad. You being a pediatrician, um, is it innocent? Is it healthy to have these like little crushes? I mean, I know Serafina's got a little crush on a kid at school and, and, uh, you know, do I care? I mean, I act like, Oh, no, you looked him up, on but yeah, no, yeah. we did a full background <laughs> check on his family. Um, but, um, when does that typically start in a more emotional, sexually charged way? 
Well, first of all, I think it's very normal and very natural and it is good to have these little crushes and these relationships because it's also teaching them, you know, different emotions that they're feeling and, and how it feels. And that starts discussions with their parents and things like that. So I think early on in a non-sexual way, definitely around school age, you're seeing it when you're handing these things out, you have, you know, you have feelings for other boys and girls. I think as they exit elementary school so i think that fifth and sixth grade surprisingly that's when puberty starting to happen so emotions are going wild hormones are going wild so then i think it gets a little more you know intricate and but not necessarily that a ton of things are happening i mean sometimes yeah there are sexual activities that early which is crazy kissing and what were you going to say no i I was going to say and i don't even know if you could answer this question due to the fact uh, that maybe hippo laws prevent you from doing so what age is the earliest age you've seen kids having sex has someone come up to in your office and say uh, 12 year olds having sex with another 12 year old what's uh i think i mean i think early teens Early what, teens. Early what, teens. What, I mean, 13, what, 14. What's which, appropriate? Which, if, you hear thir- if you hear 13. It's a shock to me. You're because, because personally, maybe, and I was very late bloomer, and that just seems absolutely crazy. At 13 or 14, I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, I remember that I, I went to sleepaway camps though when I was 12, 13. And you go, you know, you get that list of things to check off, your deodorant, the soap. Yeah, yeah. And I went with my mom to the Rite Aid, and we were checking things off. And we get to the checkout, and there's a box of condoms. And I, I said, what's this, mom? And she's like, well, you never know. And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I don't need those. Those things expired before I ever used them. Yeah. So I had no clue. And I think I transfer a lot of that. It seems very young. And it's also such a big emotional responsibility to handle mm-hmm. at any age, especially as a young teenager going through puberty with all the social interactions that are going on. It, it's it's a big deal to me. It seems like a big deal. What, what What's appropriate? 16, 17, I lost my virginity, 16, actually on Valentine's Day, 1989, all right, and uh, her name was Karen, and- uh, Back of the Chevelle? No, it was in her parents' basement, and um, even then, like, I'm looking back on it, I was 16, God forbid, I slip it or whatever, and what, I'm having a kid? Right. At 16. Well, I think that's, it's not an age, it's a maturity, understanding the risks and the benefits and making sure it's safe and having, you know, people around you, especially adults that you can talk to about it, which isn't happening a lot Mm -hmm. um, because they're not, you know, people mature at different paces. I mean, when I talk, you know, in pediatrics, we do what's called a heads exam for all teenagers. I ask the parents and the child, I say, you know, now that you're 13 and up, I say, if it's okay with you when we're done with the exam. Um, if we can talk one-on-one without your parents here, everything we talk about is between me and you. I don't go out and share it with your parents, even if they beg me, best part of my job. No, but, um, unless the only thing I have to report is if you were going to hurt yourself or somebody else. So that's the typical spiel and it allows the parents to leave and me to talk one-on-one and heads is an acronym for teenage stuff. We talk about home life. How are your relationships with your parents? What's going on in your house? E is education. What's going on with school? How are the grades? What are the courses you like? What are, you know, A is activities. What are you doing outside of school to keep yourself busy? Um, D is drugs. So what are your exposures? Anybody smoking, vaping, doing drugs, friends? And then S is sex and suicide. So it allows us to touch on, and it's not like I'm going like H, 
you know, but it allows us to talk about all the topics that teenagers are going through. So I have an idea because really as a pediatrician, what you want is at least them to feel comfortable talking to an adult to get good information. And then hopefully that's their parents as well. And I've been fortunate because I've never had a case in, in somebody who's had significant risk factors in that discussion that I can't eventually get them to talk to their parents about or let me talk to the parents about with them. It sort of sometimes takes the load off if there Mm. are risk factors to say, hey, how about could I mention it to your parents and we'll bring them in? And, you know, it's a sort of like a third party. It feels better than the one on one where the child's just thinking they're going to get in trouble. But these are the types of things we look at. And there are 13 and 14 year olds that I start talking, but we we don't get into depth because you can just tell they're not there yet. And then there are 13 and 14 year olds that you're like, wow, we really need to go over everything in great detail. Well, you being our family pediatrician, yeah. if you ever bring my daughter in at yeah. 13 years old and she tells you something yeah. that I need to know, <laughs> scrap the bullshit with the, you come right to me and you say, there's a problem, we gotta take care of it. What's up, John? How are you? How you doing? Uh, we're good, man. We're just hanging out here at our studio in downtown LA and, um, just a nightmare to get in here. Um, had to wipe, uh, some feces off my windshield on the way in, which is always nice. Um, a human or other, uh, don't know what it was, but, uh, it was thrown at the vehicle and, uh, we're in the midst now of trying to wash that off. You being a real estate agent, uh, yeah. Is- downtown good market what do you what's the feelings down here not particularly if i'm being honest you know downtown has always kind of been more of an afterthought in la and the reason is because if you think about it la is the only major metropolitan city in the world that doesn't center around its downtown right san francisco new york london you name it everything every one of those cities centers around the downtown and downtown but downtown geographically is so far removed it's just never been, and plus, you know, obviously we live here for the primary reason being the weather and people want indoor, outdoor living. They want a yard, they want a pool, Yeah. right? So there was a, you know, an attempt at a massive resurgence, a revitalization of downtown starting maybe 10 years ago when the Ritz-Carlton first got built up there. And it just never really took, um, you know, people that have that kind of money to spend are looking to spend it in other places in LA. So downtown has its scene. It's a cool, young, artsy scene. It's a kind of Brooklyn-y sort of scene, but it's not where the most affluent people want to be. Okay, it's a shithole, John. Uh, um, more hey, important, more thank you. Uh, you know what? That's a much more concise summary. Thank you for that. Well, you, you lead us me, me into my next question. You are one of the stars of Buying Beverly Hills, and you are a real estate agent. And from from the outside looking in, real estate agents tend to do a lot of their showings, and it tends tends to be like a kind of a weekend deal. Uh, if if I mean, yes, you, I'm not saying you don't show houses on a Wednesday, but you know, Saturday sure. and Sunday, people have awful work. That's a kind of an ideal time to come and see a home. Now, you being yep. a parent, a father, and if I'm not mistaken, your wife is involved in the business as well. Uh, see, yeah. yeah. How do you manage, you know, play dates and, and recitals and soccer or whatever on the weekends when the job maybe require you to be out of the house? Is this something that you're struggling with or you got a system now that you can maybe share to other parents of how you're uh, balancing your work, parenting responsibilities? 
Yeah, it's a constant struggle because to your point, look, most people that are buying and selling homes, these people have other things to do. They have jobs, they have a lot, you know, things in their life. So when do they have time to do that? Usually on their off time is at nights and weekends, which means that our job never really stops. It it's 24-7, 365. It's a nonstop, relentless like a grind. So it, yeah. Yeah. Like a Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, absolutely. I was just listening to the answer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. um so how do you i mean the boundaries aren't going to present themselves you have to set them and it's really tough to do because this business if you're on the sales side is feast or famine you eat what you kill you could make nothing or you could make millions of dollars so when that phone is ringing you know there's a certain sense of obligation that like hey i got to keep it going while i can because it's a cyclical business it has ups and downs but by the same token if you don't set those boundaries you'll find yourself working 24 7. there's just no stop to this i never reach the end of the day and have gone through and checked everything off my checklist right you just hope to make a dent in it and the next part rolls over to the next day and so on it's just a perpetual cycle so Fortunately, we've gotten to a point where we've grown a team that has a tremendous amount of infrastructure that allows us to insulate ourselves a little bit because I guess the simplest answer to your question is real estate's no longer a one-man job. The, the days of the solo operator is really something of the past. There are so many different facets to this business. So we've set it up in a way that we have a lot of different people that serve different roles that allow us to just do what we do and then be able to shut it off and kind of distance ourselves when we need to, because it's important. Otherwise, you'll just you'll burn out in this business before you know it. Well, to piggyback on what Dr. Cohen was saying, it's similar to a pediatric lifestyle where, you know, it's a nine to five job. And then, you know, after after five o'clock, he's still taking phone calls from parents you know, wee hours into the night. Uh, I've known, I, I've called Dr. Cohen at one o'clock in the morning. Most of the calls are from Sebastian. So <laughs> my job would be much easier. No, but we talk about that a lot, right? Because, you know, I heard a lot from people in my profession who had parents that were in the medical profession. I remember being at a play or a game and my father never being there or leaving to take a phone call. And I made a decision early on, and it sounds like you did too, that I didn't want my kids ever looking over their shoulder and saying, where's my dad? He's not here because, yeah, you know, it's hard though. I try. I mean, look, we are, you know, I'm fortunate to sell real estate in one of the most affluent cities in the world. Um, But that also means that we're dealing with some of the richest people in the world. We're talking about, you know, titans of industry. These are people that essentially kind of control the world as we know it. And these people have high expectations, high demands. And if you're not going to meet them, somebody else is. So it's a balancing act. I can't say I do it perfectly. It's just something you just work at and try to refine a little, you know, bit by bit. Now, being on a TV show, um, do you have some rules set in place when it comes to the kids as far as do you like showing your kids on TV? Uh, is it minimalized? How do you make that uh, decision moving forward of like, okay, yeah, we're on a TV show. We're kind of high profile people here. Do we want to show our young kids on TV? Has that been a discussion? Yeah, it was a discussion. I mean, this is new to me, right? Yeah, we, we filmed one episode, uh, one episode, excuse me, one season of the show. I've never done a reality show before. So just this whole new chapter is something, uh, a new experience for me. And my wife and I had that conversation. I think our feeling at this point is, you know, I don't mind them being in the background of a scene or two here or there. If it turns into something more than that, I think we'll probably want to revisit it because raising kids in LA is difficult enough to try to raise them with some semblance of normalcy and frankly, not to try to raise little assholes. 
I mean, there's, it's so easy to like peer over the fence and want to keep up with the Joneses in LA, um, which means something very different here than it does in other parts of the world. So I'm okay with it at this point. They're young enough, but I wouldn't want it to really become anything more than that. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And sometimes I'll pop my kids up on Instagram and whatnot, and I feel like a—I don't know. I mean, it's it's nice to kind of show them and and show what I'm dealing with as as a parent. But then on the other hand, I'm like, is this? You know, I feel a little dirty sometimes. Like, am I exploiting my That's kids safe. for? Yeah, for uh, just to just to show whatever the fans what I'm doing on a day to day. So now with the kids, five and two. Yeah. Um, What's uh, planning on having more? Is this a, is this a, what is this the family or two two one and you know, it's over, it's over. I got snip. You already got I'm the vasectomy. Oh, you got snip. I thought he was saying two. No, 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 no. no, no, no. That's the vasectomy. Uh, well, I didn't have that know. done yet. That's yeah. why I don't know. What I got a guy. Doctor, can you tell him that's yeah, that's the universal code yeah. for snipped. Um, no, I always wanted two. My wife always wanted three. And I always said the same thing to her, which was talk to me about the third when you have two, mm. right? Let's have two first, then talk to me about a third. And for me, you know, the real concern, so there's a couple of concerns. One is her dad's a twin, okay? So there's two sort of nightmare scenarios there, right? One is we have our first, we go for our second, and in the second, she gets pregnant with twins, we end up with three, which is kind of, I just, I don't, you know, I'd rather play man-to-man -man than zone defense. So, you know, three against two always kind of freaked me out. But that wasn't the true nightmare scenario. The real nightmare scenario was that we had a boy, which we did, then we go for our second, and we have another boy, and then she's itching to get a girl, so she convinced me to go for a third, and in the third, we get twins, then we end up with four, and then I'm gone. Like, I'm in Mexico. I'm just sending checks each month because Jeez. I can't. Like, there's just... <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I just... Yeah, it seems like do it's you, a tight relationship. Do you, do you, <laughs> the same four against two, man. Do you know my vasectomy was on Father's Day? No, I Yeah, didn't. that was obviously a, a, a choice of mine. My <laughs> wife had us do the vasectomy us because she was a big part of that decision and it was father's day now yeah. beautiful you, symmetry about uh, that I, I actually, yeah yeah is a vasectomy yes. covered under health insurance or is that an out-of-pocket surgery uh, it depends on the the surgeon but uh i mean if you're skimping on somebody doing that well, i think we should rethink the whole procedure but that's like an elective so, surgery yeah. is that something that is covered under the health plan or is that like getting a nose job Oh, that's a good question. Like plastics. I don't think. Do you know? Do you know what surgeries. you paid? Or you just went and. and... I have no idea, but I, I agree with Dr. Cohen. You don't want to get a group on for it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you want to. <laughs> so I'll leave you with this. What is your biggest challenge uh, as a parent? Thank you. I actually, there's a couple things I'd love to, to kind of chat with you guys about. Um, my biggest challenge as a parent, and this isn't what I, one of the questions I had is is being present. Um, I, I, you know, again, the nature of my job is that it can kind of pull at me and tug at me from every different direction at any hour of the day. And I find that if I can be present, I can be patient. If I can be patient, I can be a better parent, right? Sort of like those three Ps almost create a formula. Um, and that, that's a struggle for me is like literally taking my phone off my, you know, off my body, moving it away, just being present so I can, um, speak to, you know, their needs and, and try to, yeah, parent, parenthood, parenthood to me is the single greatest dichotomy in the known universe, right? It's the hardest job in the world. And yet the one ironically that requires no training 
or a requirement. Like there's no, you don't have to, <laughs> courses you have to take. And um, it's something I struggle with. I just find myself constantly as the, my kids who are you know, two, two going on three and five going on six very quickly here in almost every situation, not knowing what to do. Like, I didn't, I don't know what to do here. I didn't study for this. I didn't read a book for this. I don't, what, what do I do in this situation? And it's a constant changing landscape. Um, so, you know, one of the issues we're dealing with right now with our five and a half year old, who again, will be six here in just a couple months is, uh, I actually just made myself some notes. So I'm going to cheat and look at real quick here is he's, you know, he's a rambunctious five and a half year old. He has energy just coursing through his veins. So when he's in school, that's a great outlet for that. When he's at home, it's hard for us to channel that. And, you know, that energy sometimes, you know, translates then to, into him being defiant and he's, you know, dealing with some anger issues and anger, I understand is a really big, powerful emotion for, you know, a kid that age to try to understand and process. And we're trying to understand how to parent that. Like, how do we set boundaries? How do we enforce them? We're working, you know, we've worked through some different things, which again, I'd love to talk further in terms of like timeouts and this and that, but that's our, you know, just to kind of tee up the conversation. That's our, our biggest challenge right now with him. Okay. So you got a five-year-old boy. Yeah. Now, do you run these kids like horses to get that energy out? Because we've noticed, I got a, I got a three and a half year old boy. We noticed that when, it, particularly when it was raining, not a lot of outside play, a lot of containment inside, and he feels like it feels like caging like an animal that needs to go out yeah. and, and roam. Is there any theory or any behavioral um, studies done that boys, in particular? have to basically exhaust themselves during the day. What do you what do you do? No, I mean I think you have to parent differently for different children and I think unfortunately to both of your points, you know, schools are often set up for one type of child, right? The child who sits very nicely in circle time and listens and folds their hands and a lot of children, especially boys, not to stereotype, but it is true, need to get up and move around. So it's finding ways to find that outlet, whether if it is in the classroom, giving a break and doing something else or in home, giving activities, like you said, where they have breaks to do other things because attention span of a typical five-year-old is very short. And then added to that, that activity level, you know, they, they need more breaks and it can be fun things, you know, like little games that you play, like you're going to run and do something in the house. And I need you to find three things to start with the letter R and then bring them back to me and then, you know, go back to what you're doing. Um, make fun little games that keep them active and engaged. Um, but there also has to be repercussions because there is a point where you do have to sit down and you do have to get your work done. So whether it is, you know, a positive reinforcement chart or a timeout, um, they have to know that the good stuff gets reinforced and when they're misbehaving in some way that also we can't do that in every circumstance. Yeah. So this is what I've, uh, started to do. That's kind of helped. And I didn't tell you this. Uh, but you'll, you'll hear it now. Yeah, let's do it. I feel when I grew up, I was just kind of like, go play. But now I feel that the parents are just deeply integrated mm -hmm. into the playtime where I got to be there or I got to like be almost my, my kid's best friend at times because they're always going, mommy, daddy, come on, play. What I've done when they come home from school, I've set up 
playstations, not like the game, but stations around the house. So I got a puzzle table. Mm -hmm. I got a Lego table. I brought down a game, Candyland. I put that out because a lot of these games are stored. You're like Montessori Maniscalco. Oh, is, like this what Ma is this what Montessori does? Gee, yeah. Bro, I mean, this I'm is like ahead of my reinventing it. That's uh but to have it all out so they could access it mm -hmm. when they come home rather than them sitting because a lot of times I, I sit, you know, my 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 daughter goes, I'm I'm bored. And I'm like, bored, Jesus, you got you got a playroom of of toys. And what yep. I found is, you know, sometimes they're high, sometimes they're packed away. If you bring it out, they're able to kind of just go and, and play. You go to a birthday party, it's like that. They got like, oh, a makeup station. They got this station. They got that station. It gives them something to do. I've been finding that it's working at the no, house. I, th I think that's good. And having downtime where they're doing things on their own is also really important because I do feel as parents when we're there, you know, it's funny. And I think it is a lot of generational, right? When we were kids, we were able to just leave, go run around the neighborhood. We get back when it's dark. Nobody checked on us. Yeah. There were no phones. We came back for dinner. Everything seemed okay. And even though, like, personally, I don't feel I'm a helicopter parent, I think by almost geography living in LA, you everybody's a helicopter parent because we're always within five feet of our child and we're always within earshot of our child. So we're constantly, whether we mean to do it or not, we're constantly making comments on what our children are doing. I hear my girls arguing where when I was a kid, we argued, I argued with my brother in the basement. Nobody heard anything. We beat each other up. By the time it was done, we went upstairs to dinner. Nobody knew it even happened. Now, the second there's an argument in my house, it's an earshot. So we're, don't do that. Don't do that. And we're constantly, you know, yeah, like refereeing, refereeing. And I think figuring those things out and having that outlet without us sometimes is a good thing. Yeah. You know? But also, you know, we're trying to my wife and I are trying to, like, find that balance between just letting them be kids, but also, you know, corralling them in a way to correct the behavior. You know, we were out of town for the holidays and our son was, you know, again, just rambunctious right yelling screaming running around and we were constantly kind of correcting him and trying to just corral him right not punishing him but correcting him and he said to us at one point he said i feel like whatever i do makes you mad yeah and we we're just like oh god I... okay i mean there's a balance between just letting you be a kid right and also trying to raise you into being a you know respond, you know, respectful, kind human being. Um, you know, we also realized about ourselves that we were making hollow threats in terms of punishments. We weren't enforcing them. And it's because we were being selfish mm -hmm. It's because we didn't want to ruin our night. Right. We say, you know, if you do that again, no more watching. But if we actually enforce no watching that night and we're really good about screen time, like we're not those parents that take iPads to the restaurant. In fact, quite the opposite. You need to learn how to socialize and sit in a restaurant for a couple of hours and make conversation with people next to you and so forth. But watching is a big thing. We fight more about watching than anything else uh, in terms of like the time they get at the end of the night before they go to bed. And if we take that away, it's a nuclear meltdown. So a lot of times we'll make that threat, but then we don't enforce it. And they're smart, right? They're recognizing it like, I can get away with this. So I kind of came to the realization, I think that like, you know what, sometimes you got to burn the building down. Sometimes we're just going to have to like, we're this is going to be a bad night. And that's going to, that's the price you have to pay to try to make them understand that I, I'm serious. 
and we're enforcing these consequences. I, I think, but again, I also feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. So I completely open this up to your, your yeah, thoughts on I, that. I think we do this as parents a lot. We take the easy way out. I remember, you know, saying to my daughter, if you keep acting like this, we're not going to the birthday party. And then, no, we're going to the birthday party because I don't want to be here with you for the next two hours acting like this. And it's the easy way out and it's horrible. And she knows that. So then, right, no repercussion. I'm going to act the same way next time because I end up getting what I want. So I, I think consistency is important. And I think you're right. We do say no a lot. It's constantly, no, don't touch that. No, don't do that. No, don't go there. You know, And we do have to do a lot of positive reinforcement for the things we like, even the most mundane things. You know, I really love it how you sat at dinner or you played with your sister and those things. So they get the positive reinforcement because that positive reinforcement, you know, in this age group saying, no, don't do that for a two-year-old and great job are the same thing. It's mommy and daddy talk to me. It's attention. So they need the attention from the positive more than the negative. And then flipping the negative to, you know, I love that you have all this energy. Let's do it this way because right now I need you to sit at the table and have dinner for five minutes. But who, the, who the fuck talks that way? I, I mean, I, I, honest to God. I know. I mean, I, I, I've heard this before. Like, yeah. Oh, encourage the positive. Let's take that energy and funnel it in to reading. Yeah. Everybody's instinct is yeah. Right everybody's instinct is to go settle down and read. You know, like right. that's that's, that's right. we all do it, right? No, and that's why all these conversations with all parents are very similar because we're all going through the same thing, and there's no perfect right answer. Yeah. Thankfully, the kids right. end up okay despite their parents. So, and Sebastian, I mean, to your point, like. I, I totally agree with that, that like, yeah, okay, in principle, in, in the textbook, I get it. But in that moment, yeah. it's so challenging. And I guess that goes back to what I said earlier about being present, because, you know, for all the unsolicited advice you get when you're an expecting parent, and right, we all know it, everybody's going to come up to you and you should do this and you should do that. And there's all, just the tidal wave of unsolicited advice. The one thing no one ever said to me, no one ever pulled me aside and had a really like real candid moment and said, it's going to be amazing, but be prepared, be prepared to meet the worst side of yourself it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a side of yourself that you didn't know was there because they run you in the red so hard for so long that like your, you know, your fuse just gets really short. Um, so that's something that, you know, we try to be conscious of and try to work on. No one's perfect at it. Everybody blows up, you know, from time to time with their kids. It's just, I guess the hardest job in the world. And I have a pretty damn hard job. That's, that's the thing is like, I go out, you know, I, I suit up every day. I put on the battle armor to go out and do a really tough job. And then I come home to the hardest part of my day, right? Not that I don't love my kids and there isn't magical times within that, but the highs are really high and the lows can be really low. Yeah. Now, I think we've all had those days with the kids where we didn't like how we responded and then we end up getting into bed, curling into bed with them and, you know, cuddling because we feel bad about it. I mean, I know I've done that a lot because I just... Maybe I didn't approach it the right way. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you lose your cool a little bit and then you feel bad. Although sometimes, you know, contrary to what people say, sometimes losing your cool yeah. can signify to the kid. Right. This is I'm right dealing this with time. I'm yeah. dealing with a lunatic as my parent. I better get in line, you know, like Right. And then since in your house you're always right, then it <laughs> well, works I mean, out. I mean, Jesus. I mean, every once in a while it's good to listen, if my dad didn't lose his cool, I wouldn't know whether hell he was like mad, happy, or sad. My wife comes from the school is like you're supposed to discipline with the same, you know, like voice and this and that. I tend to get a little, you know, uh firm. When it comes to, hey, w w let's not do that. I took my my daughter's favorite 
Stuffy. By the way, I don't know when the hell they started calling them stuffies. It was right. stuffed animal growing up. Now they just took the animal off, and uh, and it's a stuffy. I took it away. She had. She was bawling, fell to the ground, crying. This, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, when I gave it back to her, she understood the punishment. And I think they respect you more when you discipline. If you're a pushover, they don't. They don't I don't think they respect you. I, I think. I, I, you you have to enforce some type of structure, and if not, you're gonna you're gonna be dealing with a serial killer. That, that's my point. Is like sometimes you just got to burn it to the ground. You do to prove the point. Sometimes you know what? We're getting up. We're walking out of the movie theater. We're getting up. We're walking out of the restaurant. I'm gonna ruin the night, but I'm gonna do it to prove a point, and I hope that 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 moment pays dividends in years to follow because you have to to prove that point. The the other question I'd love to ask you, Doctor Cohen, is. Um, so in those moments where our son is acting up and we, we you know, try to put him on timeout, right? Now, the purpose of the timeout is really just to catch your breath. We've taught him some breathing exercises, reset, find a way to turn the page. And it's something we want him to do like in his room by himself. He, he's telling us that he's scared. He's terrified to be in his room by himself. And I've tried to, I don't even know how to, attack that conversation. I don't even know how to navigate it in terms of which questions to ask and trying to understand, are you manipulating me yeah. here or are you actually afraid? The fear seems genuine. Like if I walk out of that room, he comes unraveled in a way that he seems petrified, which I don't, uh, no, no parent wants. I don't want him to feel that sure. way, but I also don't know, like, what are you afraid of? There's nothing, you're just in your room by yourself. You know, he's telling me he's afraid of the dark. He's said like, how do you, how do you address fear with this age and knowing whether or not it's fabricated, manipulated, or yeah, if it's genuine. It's, it's hard because they can be very manipulative, um, but it is a very common age, you know, four or five, where imagination goes wild. And this is when afraid of the dark, afraid of monsters, you know, um, afraid of being alone really kick in. And you're right, we don't wanna be mean. The punishment isn't to be mean, it's just to give a break. Um, so you do a couple things. I mean, it, you could have a neutral place, which is not his room, because also associating his room with a negative place sometimes isn't great. But yeah, just for that calm down, I just need you to take a break. The other thing is you could, I know it's more work on you, but say, look, daddy's gonna sit here with you and you can sit maybe even across the room, not right next to him. Really not to give him attention, because the point is for him to sort of calm down and think about things and and regather, but at least you're there to, you know, decrease the fear. And then it's sort of a nice thing up, oh, daddy's here for me, that's reinforced. And then when everything's calmed down, you actually go and you talk it out together, you know? Here, here, here's something I did, and it's amazing what the mind will come up with in times like this. And uh, I don't know if you remember, maybe, I don't know, a week and a half ago, there was a big lightning thunder uh, storm in Los Angeles. And uh, my my daughter was scared. She's going through the same thing, by the way. She's five. It's She don't want mm -hmm. to go to a bathroom in her own room because she's scared to get well, up. We fixed that problem. It's still, no, it's. The fairy lights didn't work? No, it's. Well, we actually ordered, we, we ordered the fairy lights. They haven't come oh, yet. See, so we're still gonna, doing, stealing work. with yeah. that. But raining pouring rain outside petrified so I'm, I'm 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 you know petting her hair and i'm saying i say you know who's out there right now and she's like who daddy i said the animals all the animals are out there and 
They're loving. <laughs> they're loving this rain. You know why? They finally get to shower. And we <laughs> this worked. <laughs> we went through every animal. She goes the raccoon, the raccoons, yeah, the coyote. We went through like fifteen animals, right? And for that night, it was okay because I, you know, I came up with this showering routine, and it quelled her fears. Now, when it's not raining, I haven't come up yet with the thing to say. I, I don't know what to say yet about darkness, yeah. but sometimes when you, when your back is against the wall as a parent. You come up with these no, weird. That's great. You know, Using like, your imagination. Yeah, whatever works. But at nighttime, we do like yeah. monster spray. You know, you get a water bottle, spray the room. If he's afraid of whatever he's afraid of, aliens, monsters, spray the room. That's monster spray. Oh, that's a good So that's I got the, 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 the monster good. spray you bring out. You can do, you know, certain blankets or force fields. So if he's got the blanket around him, no, nothing can get to him. So finding some sort of comfort item where, you know, get him involved in it. So like even when he's sitting on the chair, up, oh, you got your. You know, you got your superhero item. Nothing can get you here because that really helps. It's it's their imagination, so you counter it with more imagination, like rain and animals. That's, That's good. Uh, I, I, I like just, that. I'm gonna I, use that. Listen, it really was good. one of those things where I came out of the bedroom after the shower routine, and I had to tell my wife. And I think a lot of the times, just as a parent, especially myself, I'm just looking for a pat on the back from my significant mm -hmm. other. And I came out and I said, you know, I, I used the showering analogy. And she's like, all right, what do you want for dinner? I go, that's <laughs> I, mean, I was just in there making up a beautiful routine on animal showering. And you're asking me if I want sushi? Um, yeah, I want a slice of attaboy. That's what I want. <laughs> I want an attaboy. That's it. That's I get it. Good. I, totally, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, I need to be more playful. That's one of the things I always remind myself. Like when I'm doing sort of like my morning mantra and my morning kind of just like affirmations, one of the things on there is just playful. If you can just be silly and playful, like not only are you a more fun person, right? Because you just, you, your body just sort of transitions into this state where you take things a little bit less seriously. But I, I, I really like that. Uh, they're living in imagination. So respond to it with imagination. I, I, I like that. And it lends itself to all the common theme here is like quality, not quantity, right? It's like, think about what you remember from your childhood. And it's not like every single day, but it's the quality moments that you had with family and friends and parents. That's what they're going to remember, the quality time that you spent in those individual moments, mm -hmm. not that it was every second. Yeah, that's so. a good point. Like when I look at my childhood, uh, I barely remember anything, but I mean, I'm not going to remember like, oh, when my mother took away my my favorite army right. character or whatever it was. Uh, John, listen, we got to thank you for your time. And be well, before I leave, I just have to compliment you on a few things. Um, and I don't know if you're doing this or you got somebody doing this over at the house. The lighting over there, tremendous. The framing, the framing of you in the shot is un I mean just unparalleled and and I don't know who's doing your internet over there but it's like government grade it's uh the first time we haven't had glitches ever. <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's just it's unbelievable whatever you're doing on uh on and I don't know if you put makeup on or that's the way you naturally look but God bless you for the spray tan or whatever the hell you got the on five o'clock shadow that was shaved perfectly <laughs> to look like a five o'clock shadow None of that. And I can't, the one shot I can't believe you didn't take was at the eyebrows. Like it's such an obvious shot. I just can't believe maybe it's just too low hanging a fruit. But I mean, 
I noticed the eyebrows. I didn't, I, I didn't want to go there because a lot of people wouldn't notice the framing of the shot. All right. Uh, keep doing what but you're I doing. Sitting, I am sitting in my house by myself. There's no one here. There's no production crew. I have a little ring light. I framed it myself. This is how I look. It's good. It's amazing, John. And you're a parent. This goes to show out the, the, the one more thing. A lot of parents that I see out and about look like shit. All right. <laughs> They, they're not well-dressed, they don't shower, their hair's all over the place. John is a prime example of a it. parent of two young kids who is still maintaining his appearance throughout the day. And I got to applaud you for that. And I got I to gotta thank you for coming on the Daddy versus Doctor show. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, John. Uh, it was my pleasure. It. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys, yeah, great chat with Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. All right, John was just talking about his five-year-old and has maybe a little bit of anger issues, maybe a little hostility mm -hmm. running through his veins. Uh, it's a new segment we're introducing here on Daddy versus Doctor. It's, uh, I like to call it uh, <laughs> toy time. Toy time. And then, uh, <laughs> That's original. We have a toy yes. that was placed here by our producer, Patrick. We've not seen the toy. You don't know the toy? I don't, I don't know, know the, the toy. toy. That's right. This is a toy that uh, I believe is to what? Uh, quell anger. We're going to open the toy. We're going to play with it. We're going to see if Dr. Cohen's familiar with it. Uh -huh. Maybe myself. Um, and what do you got? It. It's called the Anger Management Toolkit. Oh, well, look at that. Self-explanatory. Okay. Um, this looks like it might be good for my dad um but it's for do you find the hardest thing about kids toys packaging okay pretty impossible do you know why everything is tied to the yeah you need like electrical clippers yeah. What is that why who's stealing robots from I costco i don't know i don't um, understand it no what do you got right away i open this at home yeah. i throw it away and i'll tell you why uh -huh. I ain't I ain't one for a lot of like uh, reading. No, you know? there's pictures. Those are cute. Ooh. I just want to know: is it going to stay in the carpet? Like Ooh. the slime stuff? Ugh, gets oh, gets everywhere. This, is this what this is? No, I mean I don't know. It looks sort of slimy. No, it's not. Okay. slimy. it looks more Play-Doh-y. So just to take us through a guide for grown-ups. Uh, this is for ages I'll four. I'll tell you how you get anger management six. issues. <laughs> trying to open this thing. i'm angry oh. looking at the game <laughs> all right so, got it. um ooh, this is nice texture but see you see is this what you do do you open an iphone and don't even look at yeah like, why would you ever read instructions when i get to the point where i don't know how to use it then i'll read something i know but the, but you're opening the the smells, items before. smells like glue this is nice i could okay um, so this is a big deal these things you know about these things no i don't what is it it's like putty it's like when kids have the slime, they just love playing with it, squeezing it. When you're upset, you can just sit here and fiddle with it. Yeah. Like, just do this. I feel good. I, I know I know, I know the slime. I know the putty. I just don't know exactly. You know what with this? Look at this. Oh. The, yeah, this is going to be. I'm going to leave it in the packaging. No, you should try Because it. I don't want. No, it comes off. I don't want to get my hands. It comes off dirty like that okay. let me just take the, the the viewers through the game and i'll tell you what's wrong with it from the get-go it's it says it says um four three five it doesn't really say anything up here 
I'm looking for the start of the game. He's so okay, angry. here. <laughs> Get to know your feelings. Let's talk. What what does emotions mean? How how is it different from now? I can't see myself sitting down yeah. and talking to my kids about what we have here due to the fact that it's too premeditated. It's too um This is this is how I would use this. How would you use it? So you sit, you know, your child likes to play with it. And you could say to them, when you get upset, instead of like hitting your sister or like screaming at me, you could take some of this putty and you could squeeze it really hard instead. <laughs> no. It's not going to work. You don't think it'll work? You went to school? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it works for a second. And then I think they just squeeze it. Did uh, you ever, when you were a kid, you ever take the silly putty on the cartoon from the newspaper and squeeze oh, it and yes. it would come up? Yes, I yes. Know, really I would do this. Yeah. See, here we got these in the in the game. What do you do with those things? Again, not reading to find out. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's too complicated in my in my opinion. A lot of parents want to open stuff. So you know who would be good at this? My wife. My yeah. wife would open this up. She would get all the parts out, lay it all out, and go, "Okay, let's yeah. sit down." And we're not going to be angry. And it's right. and uh, for you, it's inducing more anger because yeah. you don't like to read instructions. I'm looking for quick fixes. Yeah. Um, See, I didn't even realize it was a game. I feel like you just do what I've been doing. Okay. Squeeze so it. obviously, it's calmed you down. Yeah, um, very but uh, yeah, okay. Maybe playing with some type of putty or slime mm -hmm. might. Yeah, calm down a kid if he's if he's amped up. But if he's amped up, right? The kid's amped up. Yeah. And then what are you going to go, hold on, Jackson, let me get out the game, and we could funnel that anger right into the monster, uh, the angry monster game. It's not going to work. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of anger, though, and, I, and I, I, this is something that we've been dealing with at the house. Uh -huh. Serafina is hitting Caruso. Yeah. Um, and I keep telling her not to do it. She keeps doing it. This is why I took the stuffed animal away. Is the behavior something that kids just, is it a phase? Do they go through it? Should I be worried? Do I have to take other actions other than what I'm doing? No, totally a phase. Definitely outgrow it. Not going to cause like long-term issues. Like she's going to prison because she's hitting random people. At her age, it typically is attention-seeking behavior. So she gets attention even by like, my guess is Caruso gets upset. He either screams at her or starts crying or does something that she gets attention from, yeah. which you can't tell a sibling not to give attention to it. The truth is if she hit him and he literally did nothing and just walked away, it would probably end right there because she's getting no feedback from it. So she's getting feedback from him. Somebody else is coming to her and yelling at her. So in those situations, I like removing Caruso saying to Serafina, you don't hit your brother one time, so it's not like a super, you know, involved event. You remove Caruso. She's sort of over there. She's getting no attention from the behavior. And then when everything calms down, go back, and then she offers some sort of apology. Okay. So what I've been doing is I've been, and let me know if this is yeah. out of line. I've been saying, all right, if you continue to do this, and then if you do it at school, mm -hmm. they're going to kick you out of school. Mm -hmm. Too harsh? No. I. She should know that if it happens at school. I think, I mean, no. But she's not doing it at school, right? She had an incident at school okay. where she kind of yeah. scraped a kid and a little 
mm-hmm. through blood. Yeah. And we got a call. Right. Of course, I wanted to know what the Why kid, kid did. You know, like, blaming the other did, kid, did, did right? He, did he deserve it? Right. <laughs> but no, uh, I just want to nip that in the bud because I don't right. want her like smacking kids. The best them. way to remove it from school is to remove it in the house because if she doesn't yeah. get attention from there, she's not going to get attention from there. Yeah. You know. Got it. That's it for our episode today. If you want to be on the show, please email us at daddyversusdoctor at gmail.com. In the subject heading, put in your problem. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get to it on the show. Uh, Include any photos or video if you'd like. And um, just got to tell you, share this show with five of your friends, all right? I'd say by the end of the summer... We're on TV. Good night. The opinions expressed in this program are not intended as professional medical advice, as a diagnosis, as a treatment protocol, or as a substitute for professional medical advice from your physician. Please consider your own medical history and consult with your own physician for your specific health care and or medical needs and about your concerns for yourself and your family.